What Up with Rob and Chris. Chris couldn't make it tonight, but I'm here with amazing author, MD New, and we actually, Marv, Marvin, can I say it? Is it MD or can I say Marvin? You can, you can say Marvin, that's okay, fine. Okay, that's cool, that's great. Um, we kind of grew up, we know our, our parents are really good friends, and um, I felt like you were my cousin the way we grew up together. And I haven't seen you in a while. We talked about the last time we saw was at a baseball game. And, you know, I, I um, have just been fascinated by where you've been going. I know you you had this passion that came up and I'm excited to hear about how that came, where it came from. And then what was the decision that you just said, I'm jumping in and I'm going to be an author. So tell, tell me, kind of get me started on what this whole process started to get you to start doing this. Well, you know, so, well, as you know, um, I've always had the wacky kind of imagination and, and just kind of, you know, always just sort of had these stories in my head and everything. And, and it just kind of, you know, it just, it was this creative outlet, right? I mean, it was just, you know, in college, I was, I took some acting classes and I did some writing classes and, you know, I've always written ribs and grabs here and there. Um, but nothing like ever really like solid until um, I started taking the acting classes and we were forced to write, you know, like plays and those types of things or rework plays or, or those sorts of things. And I started creating this little idea that I had for a play and it ended up not being a play. It ended up being um, turning into my sci-fi series and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And as I was doing that, I was, you know, learning a little bit more about how to write, um, how to how to tell stories, and and then it was like, well, you know, okay, I've got this story, right? And I've been working on it for like fifteen years. I mean, it took forever. Um, can I do anything with it? You know, and is it even good enough? And right. then it was like, well, I. I Gave it to a couple people to read. I had Eric read it, and his first reaction was, "It reads like a textbook." Oh. Said, okay, so you know, that's good feedback to start, <laughs> yeah. right? Good feedback, but it took a minute. It was like, oh, <laughs> "Wow, thanks for being supportive," <laughs> but it worked out, right? So it really got me to think it, and you know, it, it was like, "Okay," and then it became a challenge. It was like, "I can do this," because because I've read. I mean, it's yeah. like, my God, if some of this stuff that gets turned from a book to a movie can be done, I can, I can at least finish this one story. I finished it. And then I had it and I sang it there and reworked it and played with it. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do? Was I going to self-publish it? Was I not? In the meantime, I got this other idea for this other story. And I sat down and I was like, look, I wrote the one surely I can put this one down and if nothing happens nothing happens so it was um uh it was the vampire book which is the calling um, right sci-fi series is, is a new world and um sat there and I wrote out this whole story and that only took me like six months like to write the first draft and I was like oh, really easy it can't be that easy then I started reworking it again right and then I had these two stories I'm like well what am I going to do with them I've got them you know, so I was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I get turned down. So I started sending it out to people. And, and all of a sudden, 
it got a publisher that was like, we like your story. Yeah, let's right. publish it. I was like, wait, what? No, 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 no. That, that's not gonna happen. That, those things don't happen. Yeah, so, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of happened. It, and not, a, it, you know, kind of sounds random, but it wasn't really a random way. It was just a way to write these stories. Cause I've always had them in, like, I guess I've always had stories in my head. Right. And I've always liked things like, um role-playing games, mm-hmm. D&D, I mean, you know, all the things, oh my God, Star Wars, hello, right? Like, of course. Um, you know, and it was like these stories and just this wild imagination and it came from here and then came, went on to the paper and all of a sudden I had something and then I had a publisher and then I had people actually like it and want to read it and, and it won an international award and for best sci-fi series and it was like what and yeah. then the debut novel came in third for best debut novel and i'm sitting there going okay i may not be like an amazing writer but clearly i can do this yeah at least somewhat and and so you know i've since then i've written a couple more stories and you know i've got a couple more coming out so it's it, it's just been crazy. It's like, you know, it's kind of like that that creative. It, it's just such a great way to get the creative juices out. Yeah. Kind of like you and your you you and doing your you know your podcasting and your um your your YouTubing and all that. Right. You get the creative juices going, and there it is. Yeah. For me, it's um it's it's getting um the ability to to well, I get bored. Let's just put it that way, and mm-hmm. I need to talk to people. I, I love people. I talk to people and that's a lot what this is about. And I also feel that a lot of people are really interesting, you know, mm-hmm. and even if it's just for me, that's interesting that I'm learning. Um, that's what's filling my bucket. And I just wanted to share that with the world. The amazing thing is that there was a response. Like you said, you had a response and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I can do this. And, and that's kind of what's happening with me too. So I, I got even more aggressive and just, you know, asking. So, um, my process on a daily basis is kind of chaotic, but I'm starting to get that point where I'm seeing where I can improve myself mm-hmm. and I can get better. And I was going to ask that question to you. Do you feel that as you've gone along that your process has changed and do you become more efficient? Do you find yourself being that you're feeling that you're writing better? Um, yes and no. Okay. So yes, the so the writing process is definitely, you, you learn so much. I mean, you go through... And really, as you know, you you put something together that's creative and you put everything that you have into it. And then all of a sudden you give it to the world and the world can often not be very kind. Very true, <laughs> very true. And, and you do that and, and you wait. And mm-hmm. for me, what I found is that vulnerability that forces you to do better you don't want to keep making the same mistakes right you don't so my writing process is definitely i think improved i think my writing has improved um but at the same time there's aspects of it that it it just when it's not there it's not there Mm. but when it's there and you can do it and you're writing and you're in the groove and you're just going and you're sitting there and all of a sudden five hours go by and you're like, wait, what happened? 
you know, and you and you just did it, and you, and you got you know, three thousand words or four thousand words or two thousand words on a page, and you have these characters that are there, and yeah, so you know, it 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 changes. I mean, it just it's like everything. You you grow, you get better, you learn tricks, mm-hmm. you you see what the editors like, what your beta readers like, what your uh-huh. readers like, and you take that knowledge and you put it into the next one. And yeah. you say, okay, you know, I know I have to watch X, Y, and Z, or, you know, people really resonated with, um, they like, you know, a lot of the comments and feedback I got in some of my stories is they like that I touch on a lot of, almost all of the senses. Mm. So you get sight, sound, smell, taste, and of course, hearing and stuff like that. And, and they liked that because you don't always get a lot of, a lot of authors will avoid like food in in story so if you read a book or whatever it's real rare that you have like characters sit down and have a meal Mm. where they actually talk about it or those types of things i mean it happens yes and all that you know but it's one of those things where you don't see it a lot because people like to glance over it because you know it's it kind of can be boring or whatever right right but some people if you do it it can kind of be done well and it adds to the story and so that was one of the things that so like people really liked about my stories was like they like the fact that you know when I read it I feel like I'm there like I can see and taste and smell and hear what the characters are uh-huh. are, are are experiencing and, and so I try and put that into my books and I try and remember that it's like oh yeah you know this would be a really good spot to have uh you know inter- uh, introduce like some some sense or or something just to just to kind of get another uh, another um, moment with the reader. Right. So, I mean, you're obviously in fiction and you're doing some amazing, really cool stuff that you're doing there. What, what I wanted to know is how <clears throat> relatable to things that you've done in life are your stories? Like, do you have stuff that you're drawing from, <clears throat> not just making up in your mind, but stuff that's happened in your life in your past or, or what you've dreamed of? How does those kind of things that you have in your mind that you've experienced, how much does that play into your fiction? A lot. So almost every story I write kind of starts with a dream or a what if, or, you know, I'll be asleep and I'll wake up because I had a dream of the character kind of coming forward and starting to talk to me and tell me a little bit about themselves and about their story. Um, And it goes from there. Yeah. That's a lot of how that happens. Um, I pull from, I mean, I pull from everything. Yes. So it's like, you you know, most of my books takes place here in Northern California, where I, where we live. Um, a lot of it takes place here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Some of it takes place in other areas as well. But because I live here, the books are based here. Right. And I get a spotlight here. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't mention, San Francisco's never mentioned in anything that very rarely is San Francisco mentioned. It's all South Bay. It's all Silicon Valley. It's all San Jose, you know, and I do that because it's like, this is where I'm from and I want to show the world where I live. Right. And so I pull from there. I pull bits and pieces from people that I know. So people will read the books and, and go, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you. and I'll go maybe 
okay. Or, or, you know, like some of my characters work at um, my day job that I work for a nonprofit. A bunch of my characters work for nonprofits. Um, yeah. That's kind of where they start. Um, they're also, for me, the characters have to be relatable. Yes. They have to be people that we, we would know. How many of us know six foot one blonde blue eyed models? Right. You know, right. how many of us know, you know, the beautiful people? I mean, sure, we might have one or two friends or family members who, who, who are, who would be classified in that. And sure. sure, we might even know a handful of them. But the reality is, is we're all normal, everyday people drudging through life, living our lives. Right. And so for me, I wanted to show that in the books. Mm. I wanted the heroes and the heroines to just be everyday normal people that folks can relate to. Yeah. Might not agree with everything they say and do, but who does? And so, yeah, so I pulled that in because, you know, you look at me, I'm, I'm an older, white, bald-headed guy. I'm not a, one of the beautiful model people that walks, you know, runways, right? I wanted to see me in a story. I'm sorry, I wanted to see somebody like me who could go on an adventure and all of a sudden end up in space <laughs> or or ends up being, you know, um, becoming part of the world of, of vampires, right? Or, or, you know, meet the angel of death or, or just kind of some of those things where it's like, you know, these things can happen to me. These things can happen to us. Right. You don't have to be the, you know, a, a tween or a young adult or a 20 something beautiful person to have something really exciting happen to you. You can be an average normal person and have an adventure. Absolutely. And so yeah, that was another thing that I pulled in, right, from, from reality. And, and, you know, so like I said, people are gonna read the books. I think you've read, read, read at least one of them or I think you've read one of them. I definitely started with a calling. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you, you kind of, I mean, I hope you kind of got that feeling of character in the calling Duncan is kind of just an average normal person. Right. There's nothing overly special about him. Right. But that doesn't mean he's not special. Exactly. It just means that he's in just a, a regular guy who got put into this extraordinary situation. So yeah, that's what I wanted to do. So every one of my books is about normal, everyday people who just so happened to be thrust upon this crazy universe that I created for him. So it's basically us as kids and we were playing in the backyard on my hill and we created this whole world out in the backyard and amongst the trees. And then that's what the stories become, right? The same idea as kids, but as an adult now you're saying, hey, this is what I wanted to see me in this situation. This is an adventure. And that's kind of where it's coming from. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's exactly. growing up and still having that, that child's um, like sense of adventure and, 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 and the fantasy in the mind, but you're putting it to paper and you're sharing that with the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, it's like, we grew up in the era of Star Wars. I mean, I know, I remember when that came out, oh, yeah. when Luke Skywalker blew up the Death Star, who didn't want to be sitting in that X-Wing fighter blowing up the Death Star? Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, who would you want to do that? <laughs> be Gotta be the hero. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so I, that's where I pull that from. I, I, I just want people to feel like 
like I said, they may not agree with everything about the characters or, or everything about, you know, the setting or everything like that. But I want them to feel like it doesn't matter how old, how young, any of that doesn't matter. You can have an adventure. Yes. And I don't think we see enough of that in media. Yeah. It seems to be one type of person. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm, I've gone away from and come back to actually cracking a book open, cracking that binding and getting the pages into my hand and reading. And uh, one way I did do it because I went off and I started doing the audio books like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then I started to audio book with the book. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing thing for me because then I also not only what I didn't want to do is I want to be able to create my own mind, what a story would be. And then if I found an author that really kind of drew me in, I got rid of the audiobooks, And so I started to read again by myself. And I think that's kind of a lost thing that is that people aren't touching books again. Audiobooks are great. Understanding where it came from the author and let them tell a story. That's great. And I love that. But I, I, I just want to encourage people who anybody's watching is to get back to cracking books open, get an actual book, crack it mm-hmm. open and, and dive in. We don't stop long enough to do it. And, you know, authors like you are telling these amazing adventure stories and um, get in there and enjoy it. And I, I want everybody to take a look at your books and get them and read them and, and enjoy what, what you're doing. Um, I just, well, I'm just proud of you, obviously. It's like family. So, you know, that's a big thing. <clears throat> I'm looking at the books that are behind you, obviously, right? You got them set up perfectly. Yes, I did. I, I you know, I figure I, whenever I do something like this, I it's like, okay, I've got to have something in the background. And yeah. instead of, you know, I always put a few of the books because I figure hey, it fills the space. Well, <laughs> they're beautiful. So, did you, were you a part of the design? What was the designing of the books that, that came along with that? So with the publishing house, you know, they have in-house uh, cover artists. Right. And the author is sent a list of a questionnaire. Right. You know, tell me the blurb, tell me about the, the main characters, tell me about the setting, tell me about, you know, X, Y, Z, right? So you just kind of go through and you, you fill in all these things. Um, then you have to pick out, you know, you, you send in like what you, covers you are drawn to, like what covers I like as a reader, like what would, what would I want to pick up? Right. And then that's the jumping off part. And then the cover artist kind of takes it and does their interpretation. And then you get a draft back and you look at it and you make changes and, and things like this. And one of the things that, um, so I'm going to, just to show you as an example, so the calling, mm-hmm. which is personally is absolutely one of my favorite cover designs that I've seen. Um, the cover artist is Natasha Snow. Mm. And there were things about the book that take place that, that are important to the story. Mm-hmm. So you have, have the moon, which was a big deal for the book and the house, which I don't know if you can see it very well, but see the house is kind of that Tudor kind of look. It's um, that's the mansion that's in in the the book. Right. So in the book, it's just, the mansion is described, and it was really important to me to show the mansion. Okay. And not a Georgian style or or something you'd see in New Orleans or something like that, but a modern contemporary mansion. Right. And so I took the 
uh, I had uh, I had done my re you know for the book I had pulled like designs of houses that I liked and floor plans and, and then you always tweak them right you always do the crazy stuff because you're the author and you can make it whatever you want exactly <laughs> so I sent them I said look these are the houses that I picked for the the story to take place in I said if you could use one of these that would be awesome and they were able to use one of them that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and it's kind of the same with, um, you know, and it was the same with the, which you can't see, but contact was kind of the same thing. It was like, you know, this is, so this down here is Silicon Valley. Right. I was adamant that Silicon, the story is set here in San Jose. It's not set in San Francisco. Right. It's not set in Monterey. It's not set in LA. Silicon Valley. And it absolutely, it, I was adamant. It needs to, we need to show, we need to represent Silicon Valley. So we did that. And then there were things like I wanted a spaceship and I wanted a, a planet and all that. Right. Just to kind of, you know, tell a little bit of, of the story in the cover. And so to that regard, yes, that's what the level of involvement I get. Do I actually get to sit there and design it myself? And no, that would be bad for everybody. No, right. <laughs> no, no, that's different. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you get somebody to build a fence for you. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> yeah it's like i can't it's like i draw you know my people my people are stick figures right so that's exactly. the level of art artistry i have um but yeah so that's kind of with the cover art that's kind of what you do and they work with you and and until you get something that you really like and obviously the publisher has a big say in it because yeah. they're the ones publishing it right so luckily i've been um very blessed to to work with a publisher who likes kind of my concepts and the cover artist who's able to create them. And, you know, even on CAD, this one, this one, of all my covers, this is probably one of my absolute favorites. I sent them, my only notes for this was that it has to be a clock, angel wings, and a really pretty font. Yeah. And I said, and in like, you know, like neutral tones. Right. This was the first cover that I got back. Oh, you were done. They were done. This I oh. got this back, and I said, "You nailed it." Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Yeah, how that, fun! I, I could have <laughs> better. Yeah, huh? how fun is that when that happens? It's just like, oh, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They sent it to me, and my response was, "Oh my god, this is perfect. I love it." Yeah. They were like, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah." When can I start using it? <laughs> All right, I've got something I think you're gonna love this because <clears throat> I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna let everybody know um, <clears throat> you're a huge Disney fan, <clears throat> aren't you? Yes. Me? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, this. <laughs> Watch and, out for the lightning. <laughs> uh, my question yeah. is, you know, Disney has the hidden Mickey's all over the park, right? That's that, somebody who's a Disney fan understands what a hidden Mickey is. Yeah, I want to know if you use hidden Mickey's in your book. Are there things that repeat in your books that people don't know about, but it happens because you got your little hidden Mickey's in there? Yes. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> there, there, there are, in fact, yeah, I have some Easter eggs in, in just about every one of my books that if anybody who reads all of my books, other than the settings basically being here in San Jose, there will be at least one maybe two mentions of 
Disney and or Disneyland. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, and that's in every book. It, it doesn't it. matter. Yeah. Um, there are also, if people are really clever, <clears throat> there will be background characters that are in books. So you might have this one-off character in one book who makes an appearance in another book. Oh, um, you might have the main yeah. characters from one book show up in another book in the background. Interesting. So yeah, I do put in some of those types of things for myself because I find it entertaining. Absolutely. And I know as a, like, like with Stephen King, he does a lot of those types of things too. Mm -hmm. He'll make tiny little references to other books. And I've always loved that about him. Yes. No. I mean, you don't go on 20 pages telling you how a pencil looks like, but. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Anne Rice, boy, curtains. Exactly. Oh. Mm. Uh, um, but, you know, like he's got what was it, I want to say in, is either in The Stand or uh, it could have been any of his books because they all take place in Maine, but right. he makes a reference to Jerusalem's Lot. Mm -hmm. Character sees a, a road sign for Jerusalem Lot and the character says, it doesn't sound like a place that you'd want to spend the night. Of course, anybody who's read Salem's Lot knows the town is actually Jerusalem's Lot. Right. Which, so, it was just, see, so he did fun little things like that. And other authors do fun little things like that. Yeah. And I just, for me, it's just like, it's just a moment of, I need, I, I need, a, I need a character. I need a reference. I need something. And, well, you know, I already used that in this other book. Let's put it in here. Right. Change it a little bit and see if anybody notices. That's fantastic. I <laughs> knew it was happening. I had to ask. I think that is the best thing. One of the great secrets that you can share as an author is that, yes, this is happening. <clears throat> and it leads, leads me to a whole nother thing. Because you have to have thought about it. <clears throat> you have characters that you fall in love and you wrote about and everything like that. Have you thought about who the celebrity actors would be that would play some of the people in your books? Some of them, yes. Okay. But a bunch of them, no. Hmm. There are certain people. Um, there's, so you read, so um, there's a character in The Calling. His name is Curtis. Yes. There is an actor who I think would make a brilliant Curtis. Hmm. And um, I'm blanking on their name right now. Because <laughs> but you can see their face. I know that. That's just because, yeah, yeah, you can totally see their face. Right. Um, but you know, that's, just, so yeah, there are a couple of them that I have that I think, um, I think it's Daniel Newman. Oh. That's his name. He was the guy from The Walking Dead. Oh, yes, I know you're talking the, about. The redhead guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with the long hair, the redhead. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So him. So yeah, so he just, when I saw him, I was like, oh, look, there's Curtis. Mm. And so that was just like, you know, so yeah, it was just like that, that to me, Matt, my, what I had. Um, other characters like Juliet, I know what she looks like in my head, but I can't give you an actress that would be her. Okay. Just because just, there's just I it's like she's one of those characters that that I, I see and I know and all this but yet if you 
were to show me 50 actresses and say, okay, pick Juliet, I'd be like, right. I don't know. So yeah, so it happens with a few. And there's some that, some that I'll sit there when I'm creating like the character or whatever, I will instantly be like, oh, oh this could be so-and-so. Right. This could be, you know, and that happens with not only the main characters, but the secondary characters, the tertiary characters, and then any background characters. It's like, oh, this actor would be great for this particular person. Right. Um, in my sci-fi series, um, the leader of the aliens, her name is Mirtoth Esme. And the actress who I have in mind for her and have always had in mind for her is Marina Sirtis. Oh. So when, okay. whenever I write for this, this character, that's the voice, that's the person that pops into my head and not Counselor Troy from Star Trek, for those right. of you that don't know who Marina Sirtis is, um, which is blasphemy. You have to go and watch Star Trek and find out who Marina Sirtis is. You don't know who she is. <laughs> How do you not? Um, but she is, you know, I've heard her in interviews and I've actually seen her at conventions because yes, I'm a nerd, um, yeah. you know, and it's her, right. how she talks, how she presents herself. She's got it all. She's got the character. And it's like, if like I were to ever, if it was to ever become a movie or whatever, that would be the one that I would lobby for to have play that character. Yeah. Because it's just who I totally believe that she would be. Yeah. It fits that completely. All right. I'm going to go right into, um, um, your husband, Eric, he obviously is a huge supporter of this and everything. And he, he's been obviously very proud. <clears throat> How much is he in, in the books? There are aspects of character of, of characters that he does jump into. Um, right. <clears throat> you know, there's bits and pieces, uh, something that he'll say, uh, something that he'll do um, that just falls into the character right so is there a character that is eric in any of the books no um but there are bits and pieces of him in a bunch of different characters just like there's bits and pieces of me in a bunch of characters yeah and, and all of that right i mean so there's friends are like that families like yeah. that they all there's little bits of everybody right yeah exactly there, there's moments like well i think in um oh in in uh uh, contact in the sci-fi series one of the characters um is finishing off a can of soda yes and you know when you get to the bottom of the can there's just that little bit left yep and they go right <laughs> eric does that oh <laughs> there's a little nuance to it <laughs> mental, but but he does that and and there's nothing wrong with it that's just the way that he finished it and, and so one of the characters, <laughs> there it was. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. So how many, so you're working on a few things, books as you said, you said right now. So how's that, how is it when you're working with multiple books? Like, how do you do that? How do you keep the focus? And is there a deadline? Because you have a publisher, are they kind of asking for more or what, what are we looking at? So, how it works is <clears throat> they luckily, I'm not under deadline for any of my new manuscripts. 
Okay. So anything new that I write, I'm not under a deadline for, which is great. Yeah. Um, where the deadlines come in is once I submit the book to the publisher, then once Vitter gets a hold of it, then I get, you know, hey, can you have this back to us in two weeks? Can you have this back to us in a month? Um, you know, that's when the deadlines are there. Yeah. And so you like really have to hustle to get those bits and pieces done. And so that, that's when those deadlines come in and, and can be challenging. Okay. Um, for me, like I said, right now, so I have the sequel to The Calling, which will be out on April 19th, which I'm very excited about. Because okay. that finishes up this particular, it's a duology, so it finishes up that little story. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with everybody where everybody ends up. So yeah. I'm pleased with it. So I don't know if other people will be, but hey, I'm happy with it. Um, so that's kind of, that's where that one is. So there's nothing I, at the moment I have to do with that one. I'm not writing anything more of it. There might be some final proofing that comes through that I'll have to sign off on those types of things. Um, the third book in the sci-fi series, uh, A New World, has been written, submitted to the publisher. I have yet to get the um, edits back from the editor. Mm -hmm. So again, that's in a place where I'm, it's on hold. Right. So I'm not doing anything with it right now. Okay. Um, until I hear back from the editor. So right now, I'm able to work on some of these other projects. So I just did a voting anthology that I was part of where I had to write a short story for that. Mm -hmm. um, which turned out really good, really happy with it. But that was a really fast turnaround. That was like three months. Yeah. So from the minute we wrote it to release date, three months, and still had to go through two rounds of editing, a round of proofreading, cover art, all of that. It was like, ah. yeah. if I had hair, it probably would have been gone. <laughs> um, so I worked on that. But I'm also working on a new sci-fi slash urban fantasy story, which takes place about 100 to 150 years from now. Okay. And I'm about 55,000 words in, which is about 200 plus pages. Okay. And so that's what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I have multiple projects out there and they're all in different stages. Yeah. But luckily I'm in a position where I can focus in on one story. Yeah. What, can I ask, is there a, a full circle coming here? Cause the first thing you said when we started here was that you started with a play, right? Right. Have you started to think full circle? Back to a play maybe? You know, I toyed with the idea of taking, so A New World started as a play. It started as a family drama. Mm -hmm. Started basically about two brothers having a big falling out, fighting, not talking, drama, 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 drama never really went very far. The idea was there, but it kind of petered out. It was just like, well, okay, you know, then what? They're going to make up and, you know, be happy. And I was like, eh, no, it wasn't what I was going for. Right. <clears throat> so then that's where it sprouted into this whole thing because I got to a point where I was just fed up with the story and I was just like, you know, aliens should just come down and blow the entire thing up and just be done with it. Right, I, you just get frustrated, and and it goes there a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just like just blow it all up and start over. Done. It's done. Um, so, the, so the but then 
the the secondary main character, Mir Tafesmi, popped into my head and said, well, my people would never do that. Mm. Right, just blew my mind. Yeah. And all of a sudden gave me this whole new avenue to explore these characters. The bit about the two brothers fighting, still there. The bit about the family drama, still there. That's no longer the main focus of the, the story. It's dealing with the aliens when they come to Earth. Um, so yeah, have I thought about taking it back and making it into a play or uh, doing a, 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 like a script for a movie or whatever? I thought about it. Yeah. I've, mentally, I've toyed around with the idea. Um, but then I realized that that is a whole field of writing that I know nothing about. Okay. And would have to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think there are other people much better at it than I would be. Okay. Um, so would you but, reach out to somebody then? Hmm? <clears throat> would you reach out to somebody to work with you maybe? Um, if the right, yeah, if the right opportunity presented itself, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if somebody came along and said, hey, we loved the book, we want to turn it into a movie. I'd be like, sure, as long as it's not J.J. Abrams, I'm good. Yeah. I'm kidding, J.J., if you're reading this, I would love for you to turn it into a, a movie. Absolutely. Just remember that space is big and you can't be there in five minutes. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, like you just kind of get these things like, yeah, it would be cool for something like that. Um, could I do it on my own? Probably could I do it justice? I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, visually you see it in here. Yeah. But to get it out there in a, in a movie or a TV format or something like that. That takes a lot of work in a whole different way because they have to take, you know, basically what's a 120,000 word book and break it down to, you know, a, a nine, uh, what is it, a, probably a hundred minute, maybe a two hour movie, right. if you're lucky. And I think if I'm right about that, that's basically 120 pages. I think it's one minute per page. Of screen time, I think is what that is. I could be wrong. So if people know better, great, you know, let me know. But I thought that's what it is. I don't know how good I'd be at cutting stuff. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's like, I, oh, well, we have to cut this whole thing. No, no, you, you, you can't cut that whole thing because that's important. Yeah, you have to step away from that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, or really trust the person. Yes. And have gotcha. a good collaboration. To understand that they have to cut and they'll fix it in another place or whatever that may be. Yeah. Interesting, interesting concept. Well, you know what? I can sit here and talk to you forever because, well, it's been a while. And um, I'm just, this has actually been a fascinating interview because you have a, a lot that you've brought. And I'm going to kind of end it with one more question is, is um, you know, you weren't a writer before. And I always ask this question of authors and stuff. What were they like in high school? What was their like grades of like, you know, what we called English as language arts now, um, but how much of a student you were? And I, you can answer, but I'm going to answer kind of what I've heard from most people. Most of them weren't great English students. They weren't great students. And, and you like, you're, you're shaking your head that it is that way, but, and, but then I'll let you elaborate too. But I think what I wanted to allude to is that you went out and did it. It became a passion for you. And if you find something that's your passion, no matter what it is, do it. A lot of people don't try. 
and you did, and this is what's happened and what's amazing. And I think what happens in, in, in the world is the more people that try and go after their passion, they're, they're pre pleasantly surprised at what happens. They also have to understand that there's failures. Mm -hmm. So elaborate on what you were as a student and then also the frustrations that as you had to grow and become an, a, a, a writer, that wasn't just, you didn't learn it in school, it was a passion and you had to learn it for yourself, right? Yeah. So I think you know, um, it's not a state secret or anything like that. I'm very, very severely dyslexic. Spelling and reading were almost impossible. Um, mom and dad had me tested when I was really young. Uh, so I was like in first grade or whatever. And they discovered how bad it was. Uh, they held me back for a year and then put me in special classes. So I was in special classes all the way up to junior high to basically work with me to teach me how to read and to write because I had a great imagination. Yes. Like I could show you, a somebody could show me a picture. I could describe the picture like that to a T, but if there were words, no clue. Huh. Absolutely no clue. Um, reading was terrible. Writing was, was painful. I regretted it. Um, I did not enjoy it. It was, it was, it was, I managed to do well in all my classes because mom and dad wouldn't have had it any other way, as you know. I mean, our parents are, you know, education was big. <clears throat> so, you know, you suck it up and you do it, you make it happen. Um, but yeah, so I did, it wasn't until high school where I had, I met a teacher. And two teachers actually, and they realized um, almost immediately that I was dyslexic and reading and writing were a crutch. And the one teacher worked with me for the, with the reading, mm. said, I know reading is hard for you. I understand. This is what we're going to do. And it, she introduced me to stories and to books and and we found all kinds, and not like fluffy books, like My Antonia, Moby Dick, um, Red Badge of Courage. I mean, you know, the stuff that you're required to read. Right. Um, but she worked with me. And that was to get me to love reading. And, and I did. I started, once I was able to read those, I realized that I could read other things. Like, if, I, if anybody can read Moby Dick, you can read anything. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, and, you know. You existentialism, red badge of courage. Oh my God. Um, you know, you read those things and it's like, wow, you can read anything. So I was able to pick up books. I had another, uh, an English teacher and she of course knew that I was dyslexic because her husband was dyslexic mm. and she could tell by my writing. And so she worked with me a little bit on my writing and stuff like that. And it just kind of, all those things helped. Cause I, like I said, those were horrible for me. In college, I lucked out and I got a, uh, when you're taking English A and English B, the English teacher was a grammarian. That was what his big thing was. Yeah. And he taught us grammar, 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 which mine sucked, 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 sucked. Yeah. Um, and it's still really bad. Thank God for editors. They <laughs> are a godsend. Um, but at least I had those, those understandings. And I had these teachers that 
kind of stepped up a little bit and, and kind of helped. And it made a difference because it was like, once you find out that you can do something, instead of everybody sitting there calling you stupid, which I got a lot, especially in school, especially from teachers, um, some teachers, you know, they just call you stupid and forget about you. Mm. But when you have a couple of good teachers who really take that, that minute to kind of get to know you and understand you and are willing to kind of help you as much as they can, that's what makes a difference because it all of a sudden it opened up the world, right? I mean, right. I was able to take my, my imagination and my dreams and my thoughts and put them down in a coherent manner. Right. So, yeah, so... Yeah, school. I did okay in school, but yeah, writing English. Ooh. Yeah, and it's always the ones that become writers or, or in that type of field that worked. And when you said that, you were talking about how you overcame a lot in the dyslexia, and that probably was why there's a big part of that to you in being a writer. There's you were able to find certain. Maybe it's. Uh, shortcuts that normal people not normal people i'm dyslexic too so i understand because i have to use yeah. shortcuts too um yeah. and what i ended up doing is i learned how to pull main things out of things mm -hmm. because i couldn't really go through the reading the way it was yeah. my mine was that i never because i had the dyslexia I, I never got to the point where i was reading fast enough to make it a movie in my head mm -hmm. and so i ended up having somebody later in life that i was working at a company saw it and she's like, hey, let me work with you. I actually taught this. And she got it to where I could actually get past that, where I started reading fast enough that all of a sudden I had a movie going on in my head. Yeah. And that's where a lot of things in my life changed, not just in reading, but in life. Yeah. My wanting to, to thirst, my thirst for knowledge changed. My school sucked. Later on in life, my, I, my thirst for knowledge and understanding and a lot about what the show about is, is my thirst to understand people and I care about people and I love people. And, but my drive is to, to meet and talk to and interview amazing people. And so a lot of that came from my dyslexia and having mm -hmm. to overcome. And so that's just an amazing story that you had a couple of teachers that came along that really changed that path for you. And I, I just think that's fantastic. So yeah. we've been going way longer than I normally do, but you know, it's how it works, right? Um, I love you. I, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to be with me on a, a weekday night. And um, I'm a school night nonetheless. Into the, the other books now. And, um, you know, thank you for coming on What Up. Uh, it, it's 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 a, a passion for me, but I, I just appreciate that you would take your time. And I, I thank you for being here. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, one, hey, I get to hang out with Gregory. I mean, <laughs> and nobody's going to get that reference. Gonna go, Nobody has oh, that oh, You know, it's it, it's just so cool. It's like getting your email. I was like, yes, of course. Yeah, let's hang out. That sounds great. It sounds like a lot of fun. And, you know, love your parents and love you guys. I love, you know, miss seeing you. Yeah. It, it just, it's, you know, especially now, it's like, ugh. Uh. Um, but yeah, it's, this, so this has been great. And, and I love the fact, one of the things that you did say, and I've got to, got to comment on it, is, is when you read, you see it in, in your head. Yes. It's like a movie. Yeah. Totally. Right there with you. Yeah, that was if, the difference. Yeah. If I can't read a book and if I'm not seeing it, I'm, nope. It's gone. It's, I can't do it. Yeah. 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 Why, why am I going to waste my time? Nope. Nope. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting because you're writing, when I was reading your book, I, I was seeing it as a movie. 
And that's what kept me. And I think that that's the, that's what you're going for is somebody can actually experience that. Um, mm -hmm. So anybody who's watching, pick up the books because it, it, for a dyslexic person to be able to read it and see it as a movie and, and knowing what we just said that you just put it to the side because you can't do it, that your writing style does allow that. And that's important. And I, I think that's what makes you a great author. Oh, and I'll send you your check. <laughs> <laughs> well, send everybody over to watch this, this because that's the benefit is that people get to see this. That's what fills my bucket. Obviously, YouTube, at some point, maybe I'll make $25 on it. That doesn't really matter to me. But ultimately, yeah. I hope people watch this and see this and are proud of you and that, that, that know you. And um, just thank you so much. I love you so much. And I appreciate you. And thank you for coming on What Up. Hey, absolutely. It was so much, it was so much my pleasure. And tell Gypsy and Fred and, and Marvina, I give them my love and let them know that we all love them to pieces. Absolutely. And, you know, we miss you guys and we hope to see you soon. Yes. All right. Have a great night. Yep. You too. All right. Good night. Good night.